0: Um, uh, yeah, so for those of you who are new, uh, my name's Corey. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here. Um, the best way that I would just describe 710 to you is like we really are a family, and uh, like we really, really love each other. And we don't just love each other because we're just another group that's close, but uh, we love each other because Jesus first loved us. And uh, the, the way that Jesus has changed my life, and the way that Jesus has changed uh, so many of your guys' lives in the room, is like the reason and the privilege that we have to like just be like, I just want to pour myself out for you, and I hope you guys want to pour yourself out for one another, just so that we would become like this community that when people experience us, like they would experience that like, man, Jesus. It wasn't just a, a group of people, but like Jesus was really with them. And that's been one of my prayers. And so uh, we finished a series called Family last week. Uh, we're actually going to start a new series tonight. Uh, Kendrick actually asked, uh, he, he wasn't even asking me. He was just kind of like saying the question out loud to himself. But he, he said something the other day. He goes, like, what's next for our family? Like, what's next for the ministry of 710? And uh, immediately the question that came to mind or the thought that came to mind is just like, Now that we've kind of talked about like this family and this family culture, like I really want to be a family that like is serious about following Jesus. Like I really want to be serious about following Jesus and I want us to be a family of young adults that are really committed to following Jesus. And so we're going to start a series called uh, Follow Me and uh, essentially we're just going to be looking at what does Jesus say following him means. Like, not not what did my parents say, not what did necessarily even my church teach me, not what did, like, the person that I grew up down the street who was a Christian and as I watched them, but, like, what does Jesus say following him meant? And uh, I think we're actually going to learn a lot. I will warn you, uh, some of the things Jesus says is really shocking, and uh, it might surprise you, so I hope it's confronting in a good way. And whenever God confronts us, it always is like on the other side of the sting of being confronted is liberation. And so Jesus says really hard things because he really, really loves us. And I also hope that in this series, you, see, you really see the delight of following Jesus, that like it's just a beautiful thing to walk with God and to follow him. So uh, before we jump in uh, to tonight's uh, lesson, let's just pray together and uh, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Uh, God, we love you so much. And... Uh, God, we're thankful for Carlton and God, his story of uh, one salvation, but God, even salvation in this moment of how you uh, rescued him, God, literally from death, and God, that he's still here with us, and God, how you're using him and his gifts to be a blessing, God, in my small group and in this community. um, God, thank you that we get to follow Jesus together. Um, God, it is such a gift to be able to come into a room like this and that we have the freedom to do that, and God, we get to open up. Uh, your word and listen to you, God, uh, individually and as a community. And God, we just want to follow you. Uh, We want to be Christians who are shaped by the love of Jesus and by the commands of Jesus and by the life of Jesus. So, Jesus, I pray that you would make that true of us. Uh, I pray that you would move our intentions into realities. And I pray that first for me. I love you, Lord. Amen. All right, I have a really simple question. Uh, If somebody were to ask you, what is a Christian Christian? how would you respond? And I know that's really simple, but like, really, like, I would, like, how would you answer that question? Like, what is a Christian? And the reason I feel like we actually need to start there in this series is because, let's just be honest, you guys know this too, there's a lot of assumptions out there about what it means to be a Christian. I was thinking in my uh, as I was kind of putting together this message, like, like there's, like believe it or not, 70% of Americans actually say they're Christian. 70% of Americans actually say they're Christian. So there's so many cultural assumptions. So like a cultural assumption of like what is a Christian might be like, as long as I like believe the right facts about Jesus, if I, like as long as I believe that Jesus is God or something like that, and that he died for me, and if I try to just kind of be a good person until he comes back or whatever happens, then I'm in. So there's just like this cultural assumption that Christianity is just like, I just believe facts about this person in the past, Jesus, and I just try to live my life generally for him, and that's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, there's all sorts of other assumptions. There's assumptions. There's church assumptions. Uh, so many of you have learned what it means to be a Christian from a church, from this church, from different churches. And sometimes, especially in American culture, being a Christian has turned into something that I've called, and you've probably heard me say it, like churchianity. Like, churchianity is not Christianity, but churchianity is, like, being a Christian means going to church. Like, as long as I go on Sunday, I can feel good about myself, and maybe if you're not a Christian in this room, like, that's what you've thought being a Christian is, is like, as long as I come, like, kind of attend a church service or something like this and kind of, like, do that, as long as it's not inconvenient when I feel like it and, like, just try to be a good person, that's what being a Christian is. Uh, And for me, there's also personal assumptions about what it means to be a Christian, um, there's personal assumptions that have been based off like, I mean, I thought following Jesus or being a Christian was something for the longest time of my life. And then I got to college and I was like, man, this, like, ver- this personal version I have of being a Christian like doesn't seem to line up with Jesus's version of what it means to be a Christian. Some of you have been taught by your parents a specific example of what it means to be a Christian. All that to say There's so much out there about what it means to be a Christian. And as Jesus followers, like, I don't even want to go to the Apostle Paul. I want to go to the horse's mouth himself, Jesus, and just ask Jesus, what did you mean when you called people to follow you? And so that's what we're going to do tonight. If you have a Bible, uh, open up to Mark chapter 1. Uh, verse 16, if you, uh, if you don't have a hard copy of the scriptures with you, I'd encourage you to take out your uh, phone. There's a, a Bible app called YouVersion, uh, and I'm going to be actually reading out of the NLT mainly tonight, and then uh, that's how you can follow along. I also want to preface that a lot of what I'm going to share tonight comes from uh, Pastor John Mark Comer, Uh, I just feel like he's done really good work on specifically what I'm going to talk about tonight, and a lot of what I'm going to say is regurgitating what I've learned from him because I thought it was just so helpful, Uh, but either way, uh, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, I just want you to listen to these three stories about what Jesus says being a Christian is. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 says this, one day... As Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and then got up and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men. So they left their family and they followed Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn over to Mark chapter 2, look at verse 13. This is another story. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As Jesus uh, walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and other uh, disreputable sinners. There were many among people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Very rude people. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who, think they, or, but those who know they are sinners. Uh, if you have your Bible, keep going over to chapter 8, verse 34. This is the last story we'll look at. Mark 8, 34. Jesus, uh, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message... In these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he enters in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Did you see a pattern in these stories? Like, as you read these stories, did you see a pattern? The answer is yes, because I underlined the pattern. But what's interesting in, 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 this, uh, in these stories that I read is that the call of Jesus to real people in real time, in real places, wasn't come Believe in me and go to heaven when you die. Isn't it interesting? Three different stories back to back to back, all in the same book. When Jesus called people to follow him, he didn't say, Believe in me and then go to heaven when you die. Jesus actually, after story after story after story, he doesn't say, Go to church more. He doesn't say, Pray and read your Bible more. He says, Come and follow me or come. And be my disciple, which I think is really interesting, is because what Jesus actually called people to do is not what we sound. What it's not what it sounds like today, is it? Like when you when you evangelize or like try to share Jesus with your neighbors, does it does it like reflect what Jesus asked and called people to do? Jesus Jesus was very intentional, and he said, come and follow me, and come and be my disciple. Now, I want to talk about uh, what that word disciple actually means, because uh, disciple, um, it's a very churchy word, and it's a word that we throw around all the time, and sometimes, like, you know this, like, if you're Christians, Christian, you just kind of, like, talk about words, you're not even really sure what it means entirely. I feel like disciple, especially if you're a new Christian, like, you're like, all right, like, all these Christians, they use this word called disciple, like, they're disciples. Uh, what does that even mean? Uh, So the word disciple, it literally can be translated follower or student. So the word uh, disciple can be translated follower or student, but scholars say that actually the best translation to get behind the word disciple, what Jesus called people to do, is actually the word apprentice. And so when Jesus called people to follow him, he wasn't just calling them to believe a set of ideas about him, although that will accompany it, but he's actually calling people to apprentice underneath him. So, there were, in, in Jewish culture, there was always a disciple, which was a student, and then there was a rabbi, their teacher. And I just want to pause and ask for a second do you think of your being a Christian or your following Jesus being an apprentice type of thing? Like, do you, do you view yourself as a student of Jesus? Do you view yourself as an apprentice? Of Jesus. Because when Jesus called people to follow him, that's what he pictured. Another thing that's really in- interesting is that Jesus didn't actually come up with discipleship. There were, there were many people before Jesus who had disciples, and there were many people after Jesus that had disciples. So when, people called, or, or, so when Jesus called people to follow him to be his disciple, what did he picture that meaning? Now let me give you a little bit of background of discipleship and in, in, in the kind of school system behind this. Uh, discipleship was like the pinnacle of the Jewish educational system of the people of Israel. So the people of Israel, uh, this is the first century, uh, they kind of came up with a school to train people to be faithful Jews, to train them in their scriptures. And there's actually three different levels of discipleship in the Jewish culture. The first level was this, and this is crazy, it's going to blow your mind. The first level was, it was for Jewish boys, and they would come and they would memorize the first five books of the Bible. The first five books of the Bible they would memorize. So like Matthew, Mark, Luke, that's actually the New Testament. Genesis, <laughs> Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They would actually, every Jewish boy would memorize every single word of those books. And so once you finish kind of that first level of discipleship, uh, the, kind of the cream of the crop of that first level would go on to the second level, and if you kind of made it to this level of discipleship, you would actually memorize the whole Old Testament. So your Bible is probably like a thousand something pages, and maybe 700, 800 of those pages are the Old Testament. They would memorize the whole Old Testament. And then uh, if you kind of moved on, so you passed first level, you, you memorize the Pentateuch, you know, then a few boys would move on from there, and they would memorize uh, the whole Old Testament. And then if you've moved on from that, and you wanted to go even farther, uh, the best of the best would actually like kind of apply, so to speak, for a discipleship program or to apprentice under a, ra- a rabbi. And so you'd actually sit before a Jewish rabbi, uh, which Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, and you'd get interviewed, and so the rabbi would, like, he would, he would grill you with questions. Have any of you guys, like, had to sit before a board before, like, for an interview or something like that, and just, like, people just, like, launch questions at you, and you have to, like, react and, like, answer in a way? You had to go through a process like that. If the, if the, uh, if the rabbi, if the Jewish rabbi thought you were intentional enough, um, or, excuse me, intelligent enough, and if he thought you had, like, kind of the wits to carry on what he was all about as a rabbi, he would say something like this. Come and follow me, or come and be my disciple. Now go back to the story where Jesus is talking to Matthew, or he's talking to Mark, and, uh, or excuse me, to, to John and his brother. Je- so when Jesus comes to them and he says, Come and follow me, he was ask- actually asking them to come participate in something like that. Now, because they were already in their family business, they have probably flunked out of, not flunked out, but they probably didn't quite make it to third level. So they were never disciples before. They actually never got to apprentice under a rabbi. So when Jesus, who's like the new kind of like the rabbi in town with his teachings and he was like kind of like walking around, they didn't come and interview for it. Jesus actually comes to them and says, hey, you want to be my disciple? Do you want to be my apprentice? Come and follow me. And then there were three goals of every follower or disciple. And I promise you I'm going somewhere with this. There were three goals of every follower or disciple. Every follower and every disciple of a rabbi, their teacher, had three specific goals. And this is what, the first goal was this, just to be with their rabbi. So you'd literally leave your family and you'd like move in with the rabbi. And you'd literally spend every waking second with your teacher, so their first goal was just to be with your rabbi. The second goal was to become like your rabbi. And this isn't just like, I'm going to be somewhat like him. Like, you literally tried to copy him. Like, it, it wasn't a culture where, like, everybody's a snowflake and, you know, like, we're all unique. It's like they all, like, literally tried to be just like their rabbi. They, like, in the way that they spoke, they tried to copy it. In the way that they, they lived, they tried to copy it. And then lastly, uh, their goal was to actually do what their rabbi did literally to fill their rabbi's shoes. And someday, hopefully, they would become disciples and the process would go on, so on and so forth. All right, so that was 2,000 years ago. Discipleship in the Jewish culture. What does this mean for us today? If this is what Jesus called his disciples into, if this is like... This is why they didn't, like, you know when you read these stories and you're like, why did they just, like, leave everything? Like, being a fisherman was actually, like, a middle class business. It wasn't, they weren't necessarily poor. Uh, That was a good business. Like, why would they leave everything that they had to go follow Jesus? It's because Jesus was calling them into, like, a formal way of discipling and following him. And so as Jesus followers today, as Jesus calls us, what it means to be a Christian is actually to order our lives around those three goals, Or for most of us, it's probably to reorder our life around these goals to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. If we as Christians are disciples and followers of Jesus, our three goals, where being a Christian starts is simply one to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. And so we're going to look at all of those, and then we're going to talk about how they apply to our lives as we follow Jesus today. First goal is to be with Jesus. Um, <clears throat> Mark three thirteen through 15 says this. Uh, Jesus went up on a mountainside, uh, and this is uh, the, like, the night before Jesus actually called his disciples who God wanted him to pick as his followers. So Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted which I just want to pause, and this isn't the point of my sermon, but if you've been called by Jesus, he, he wanted you. He wanted you. And they came to him. Verse 14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And so, if you are a Christian, the first thing that you need to be concerned about, the first goal that you need to have is just to cultivate a presence with Jesus. The first, and I'm telling you, the most important thing you need to know and that you need to give your life to is cultivating a life with Jesus as your rabbi. This is where you start, or if you're like me, This is where more than often you just have to restart. It's cultivating a life with God. And uh, I was actually praying in the prayer room uh, before this, and there was a gal who kind of made this comment that reminded me of uh, what I'm about to say. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, God is with you, and he is so aware that he's with you. But what we have to grow in as followers of Jesus is to be aware that we're actually with him. And so, when you are a follower of Jesus, it's cultivating a life of just like, man, like I just want to be with God. And this isn't just when I get up and I spend an hour in quiet time. This isn't just that. But it's literally cultivating like, man, when I get up, I'm with Jesus. When I drive to work, I'm with Jesus. When I'm at work, I'm with Jesus. When I'm talking to my boss, I'm with Jesus. When I'm tired throughout my day and I feel like cutting corners, I'm with Jesus. When I have my lunch break, I'm with Jesus. When I come home, I'm with Jesus. When I go to church, I'm with Jesus. When I go to bed, I'm with Jesus. There was actually this uh, first century blessing if you were a Jew. Uh, and, and literally, they would say, they would, it was like a blessing that they would declare over you. They would say, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. And what they were getting at was, uh, typically what would happen is a rabbi, he would kind of travel town to town... And he would have a yoke with him, which was like a scroll of his, uh, his teachings and how he understood the scriptures. And, and he would walk along the dirt road and uh, he'd have his yoke with him. And what he'd be doing is he'd be walking in front of his disciples and he'd be instructing them in his teaching in the scriptures. And his disciples would, would, would walk behind the rabbi. And, and, and the idea was that you would be so close, that you would be so intimate and so with your rabbi that you would try to walk so close that the dust from his sandals would actually cover you. And the blessing was, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. And as I think about that, as a follower of Jesus, and I'm hoping for you as a follower of Jesus, that's your desire. Like, Jesus, I just want to follow you down the road, and I just want to be covered with your dust because I'm following you so close. And so for me, what that's looked like is, let's just be honest I really struggle with it um, I feel like I've cultivated more in the last kind of couple of years an awareness of God where I really just try to orient each day and each moment towards God and I've done so many things just to try to get my mind on God I don't know about you but I'm so distracted by my phone I'm so distracted by people I'm like an extrovert so like I can't sit well one I can't sit still I can never sit in my chair I always want to be out with people, and I'm just kind of, like, very easily distracted. Ray was driving me up the other day. He's like, hey, do you have a short attention span? And I was like, yes, I do. And I was like, but I've really tried to, like, like, I really have tried to work hard to, like, cultivate a life of, like, being aware of Jesus. And so I've done really weird things, like buying an alarm clock, where I, like, put my phone most nights in a drawer, and I, like, I shut it down at 8 p.m., most of the time earlier if I can, just to be like, all right, I'm putting work away, I'm putting people away, just so I can be present with Jesus, knowing that he, like, when I have dinner with my wife, he's there with us, as I just kind of unwind from the day that he's, like, he's with me, and as I get up, like, I have this rule that like, I try not to take my phone out of this drawer till 8 a.m. until I leave for work, and I just wake up, and I'm like, all right, Lord, like, I'm here, I'm with you, and I just try to create a habit of being with, with him, And so I don't know how that is going to work for you. I don't know your schedule. I don't know where your mind goes to. But when you're a disciple of Jesus, your goal is to be with your rabbi and to cultivate through the Spirit a life of being with Jesus. I want you to hear the invitation of John 15, 4 through 5. Jesus talking to his disciples, to you and to me and to them. He says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in them, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says abide one, two, three, four times in those two verses. And if you actually understand, that word is like not a very common, like, you don't like talk about abiding with people, with, with, you know, with your friends, you just don't do that. But that word literally means like your address like where your home is. And so when Jesus is like talking to you and he says, abide with me, he's literally saying, make your home with me. Make your safe place with me. Make where you retreat to with me. Make where you want to go to with me. Abide with me. Dallas Willard is an author and he talks about the importance of keeping God before our minds. He says this, he says, the first and most basic thing we can and must do as disciples of Jesus is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. So Jesus, so Dallas Willard is not Jesus. Dallas Willard is saying, he's this, if you want to care for your soul, the first and fundamental secret is to keep your mind on God. He goes, "Our our, our part in practicing the presence of God is to direct, and for me oftentimes, to redirect our minds constantly to him in the early time of our practicing or apprenticeship, we may well be challenged by our own burdensome habits on dwelling on things less than God. I love how he said that. We have a habit on dwelling on things that are less than God. These habits are not the law of gravity and can be broken. And so what Jesus, I think he would say, like, if you're like, man, if you want to be my follower, the first thing that you need to cultivate, the first goal that you should have is just to be with me, to make your home with me, uh, to be with Jesus. The second thing that we see is that uh, every uh, follower of Jesus, every disciple, their second goal is to become like Jesus. Uh, Literally then, I already said this, that the early disciples, uh, Matthew and all these like 12 men who followed Jesus, they literally would have tried to copy Jesus in everything that they did. And so as apprentices of our rabbi and our king Jesus today, we are to seek to live lives that copy literally everything about him. Literally, we're to seek a life that's possessed and permeated with the life and character of Jesus. And the reason why it starts with being with Jesus and then becoming like Jesus and this is really important is that your transformation happens in the presence of Jesus. Your transformation as a person happens in the presence of Jesus. And this is exactly what happened to Jesus's followers. Look at this in Acts 4:13, Peter and John were to, like kind of out preaching the gospel, preaching that the resurrection of the dead happened in and through Jesus. And 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 in Acts 4.13, the religious, the religious leaders kind of pull James and John, uh, excuse me, John and Peter in front of them and like question them. And it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, that's a very kind way of saying not very smart. They were unschooled, ordinary, another way to say it, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love that line. It literally they took note they're like, "Oh yeah. These like this isn't these are ordinary unschooled just average Joe men." And then they go, "Oh, they've been with Jesus and Jesus transformed them." And I I don't know about you. When I read things like this, I was thinking about like, man, I was thinking about this point a whole lot before tonight because if I'm just being completely honest, like I feel like the last 2 weeks the parts of me that are not like Jesus are just like bubbling to the surface like crazy. Like if, if you're a follower of Jesus uh, and really have tried to follow him like seriously in your life, you know like, man, like I want to follow Jesus so bad, but there are just so many parts of my life, lo- like my life and my heart that just have not changed yet. Or they've changed a little bit and like I'm just, I'm just not content with where they have been. And I feel like I've told this, I feel like I've like, struggled with lust in my mind way more than I have in the last year, in the last month. I feel, like, jealousy in my heart. I feel like there's so many, like, all the ugly is coming out. And I, and I read things like this, and I just I just want a life so bad that's transformed by Jesus. And I feel like his invitation to me lately has been just come, keep coming to me. Because in my presence is actually how you're going to be formed and how you're going to be changed. And he's met me with his grace and his mercy. Like, literally, I was standing over there before I was about to preach. I'm like, God, the last thing I want to do is, like, go up there and teach tonight. Because I'm just feeling like I'm struggling so much with just my inadequacy. And I read things like this. It's like, Jesus, my goal is to become like you. And the very fact that I want to be more like you, I know is a sign that the Holy Spirit is working in me. And I just pray that you'd keep that process up. And when we talk about transformation, we're really talk, talking about formation. And here's the thing I want to put before you. And especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is something I really want you to understand. You are being formed, you are being transformed. It doesn't matter, like being like formation, transformation, it's not a Christian thing, it's a human thing. See, you are being formed into something or someone by something or someone. So every single person in this room, there's no exception, is being formed in their life right now. The reason you are the person that you are is because of what's actually your rabbi, what's actually been your teacher, what's your listening, what are you listening to, what are you apprenticing to, what are you studying under, and whatever you submit yourself to is actually what overtakes you. And the question is, and especially if you're not a Christian, I really want you to hear this, it's not if you are a disciple or a student, but rather, what or who are you being discipled by? It's not if you are a disciple, everybody's a disciple, it's, it's what or who you are being discipled by. And the question for us as Jesus followers is, are you being formed by Jesus of Nazareth? Like the real Jesus of Nazareth? Or are you being formed by your Instagram? When you scroll... And at a subconscious level, it's forming your desires. It's forming what you think your image should look like. It's forming what your loves. It is forming you. When you watch TV or when you watch that Netflix show or Hulu, nothing, I, I really want you guys to get this, nothing in your life is neutral. Everything is forming you into something. And if, and if anything, if it's not Jesus, it's not forming you into Christ. It's forming you into something else. And I don't know about you, but I want to be formed and disciple under Jesus. And I want that for you too. Ephesians 4, uh, 21 through 24 says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, that old way that you were formed, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust, and deception, instead, I love this language, let the spirit renew your thoughts. It's that, this idea of not just like, how many of you think about changing, like I just need to change, you know, like you just kind of like muster up strength. I love the language here, it's like, it's this this idea of like letting, like literally kind of letting go and just letting God have his way with you. Let the spirit renew your thoughts, your thinking, your attitudes, your feelings, and your heart. Put on your new nature, in other words, be formed, be transformed, created actually to be like God, which is truly righteous and truly holy and, and one of the things that I think a lot of us as Christians may know and maybe if you're not a Christian you don't know this Christianity really isn't self-help and it's not behavioral management and it's not becoming a better person I hear so often and I understand the desire behind about it but I'm like this language like I'm really trying to better myself I'm really trying to be a, just a better person that is nice and I really do wanna become a better person, and there's a lot of behavior in my life that needs some management, and I, there really is some help that myself like, could actually use, but Jesus isn't into that. Jesus is really into actually like, transforming who you are from the inside out. And you have to open yourself up to the Spirit's work in your life if you want that to happen. And again, I'm gonna bring you back transformation happens in the presence of Jesus. So, the first thing that we see is that we're supposed to be with Jesus as his disciples. The second thing that we see is that we're supposed to be like Jesus. And the third thing, and I think this is the thing that will probably challenge us the most, is that we need to do what Jesus did. And so, Uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, maybe I'll try to find uh, this verse again. When I read to you, so Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and then they came to him, he appointed the twelve. It says that they might be with him, but then it says, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. The reason he sent them out to do that is because that's what Jesus himself did. And so disciples of Jesus, they're with Jesus so that they'd be transformed by Jesus, but so that they'll actually go and do what Jesus did in his life and in our life. Then that was the goal, and today that's the goal. 1 John 2.6, I love how simple it is. It says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. <laughs> so simple. Those who say they live in God should actually live, like in your lived life, like your lifestyle should reflect the same lifestyle that Jesus had, because as, a, as an apprentice, your goal is to actually become what you, who you impre- apprenticed under. And I think for me, I mean, I honestly, like, I'll go back to my life. My, one of the things my wife says to me so often, and it drives me crazy, not because she's saying it, because I know it's true, and it's honestly, like, it really bothers me. Like, I was, I went on a prayer walk with my team this morning, and I was just, I, one of the things I was just super frustrated about is, like, I have so many good intentions to follow Jesus that don't actually happen. You guys, you guys ever come up with like great ideas like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna start this reading plan, I'm gonna like start caring for the people in my neighborhood, I'm gonna like actually like engage in my small group, I'm gonna actually tell my coworker about Jesus, and you have all these intentions and they excite you, and then you go to work, or you go to small group, or you and it just doesn't happen. That happens to me so much. But the idea of being a Christian and one is just being patient, that transformation takes time. But, it, it, but Jesus, I think what Jesus would say is like, listen, we need to be followers who walk in the presence of God so close that like the dust of Jesus is on our face, like we're just covered with his dust because we're like fighting to be so close with him. We're so close and that we're so transformed that we actually go and, and embody Jesus' life to our city and to our world which leaves us with a really, really simple question. What did Jesus do with his life? Like if Jesus, if our goal is just to do what Jesus did in his life, in our life, then the question is, what did Jesus do with his life? And I want to put these on the screen. These are like, I don't know, five or like five to seven things of like, this is what Jesus did with his life in a a list. Here we go. He preached the gospel. Jesus uh, announced the good news that God's Kingdom, that God's reign and his rule had arrived, uh, that God's healing power had arrived in his life, that forgiveness was found in him alone. Jesus was a man who devoted his life to preaching the gospel. That's what Jesus did. Uh, Secondly, Jesus lived a whole new way to be human under the authority of the scriptures. So Jesus actually saw, like, I actually listened to this today. 10% of everything that came out of Jesus' mouth that we read in the Gospels was actually just quoting from the Bible. Jesus was somebody who who lived a whole new way to be human under the authority of the Scriptures. I would just ask you really quick, what authority are you operating out of in your life? Three, uh, Jesus cared for the sick, the poor and demon-possessed. You can't read through any of Jesus' accounts without seeing that he like, devoted his life to caring for the sick, caring for the poor, and, and caring for those who were demon-possessed. Uh, I love this one. Uh, Jesus ate with people far from God. When was the last time you ate with somebody who was far from God? And I think for those of us who grew up in the church, this is something that we really need to take seriously about Jesus, is that Jesus had a lifestyle uh, of eating with people that were far from god that 's why uh, uh, people were so people who were far from God were so comfortable around Jesus. Um, Jesus did justice in the city. Jesus was a person who actually did justice uh, that 's not just a cultural thing that 's going on it 's a Jesus thing. Uh, Jesus was a peacema- a peacemaker amidst relational, social, and political tension. Uh, He was constantly trying to like work things out like hey, like your disciples are arguing about who's the greatest and then, you know, like Jesus has to like be a peacemaker in that situation. The Jewish people hated the Romans and so Jesus says, hey, when they like they slap your cheek, give them the other also. Like he was a peacemaker. Uh, Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus literally like had a lifestyle built around conversation with his father and lastly, Jesus stood up against religious corruption in his day like the, kind of the Pharisees, and he stood up against political corruption. And you see that? He did that with Pilate. And I just want to ask you one really simple question. If our goal is to do what Jesus did, and that's what Jesus did with his life, does your actual living give the world a picture of that? Not does, do, your, do you intend to do things like that, but does your, actual, does your living give the world a picture of that? And the reason I ask this is because I was in a small group the other day and so often I'll ask people like, um, how, are, how is following Jesus going for you? Nine times out of ten, the response will be I haven't spent enough time in the word. So like following Jesus equals reading my Bible more. Do you get what I'm saying? Or like they just immediately go to like spiritual practices and trust me, Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. He was internalized with the word of God, but those were things that actually shaped him into being somebody who lived the life that he did. So it wasn't for the sake of just reading the scripture that Jesus read the scriptures. It wasn't for the sake of prayer, but it's actually because those things formed him and, 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 and shaped him to actually be that type of person. See, disciples, they seek to become who they disciple under. And, and to make this point even more, um, there's so there's probably, uh, man, this January will be four years ago, which is crazy. Four years I graduated from college. But when I graduated from Grand Canyon University, I actually came on staff full-time here as a pastoral resident, and actually not with 710. I was just serving in 710, but I kind of had like a year mentorship program with Pastor Jeremy, who's our executive pastor. Um, He was like the adult discipleship pastor, and then Brian Berger, who's next-gen pastor. He's actually going to come teach with us in this series, which I'm really excited for. But pretty much like... I literally got hired full-time and I did nothing. (laughs) Like, I was just like, what am I doing, you know? Like, I got to, it was cool to be around here, but pretty much what I did that whole year is I just followed Brian around everywhere that he went. Like, he went into a meeting, I just sat next to him, I didn't say anything. I would, like, follow him around. I'd sit with him in his office while he's working. We'd read the scriptures together. He would show me diagrams. If you know Brian, he has all sorts of diagrams. He'll probably do one for you guys here. I literally just soaked as a sponge and did absolutely, I had, like, no outlet except like my small group, and I just essentially was, I was apprenticing under him, and what's really funny is, I actually, like many of the things that I think today, many of the things that I say, Chris will be like, you sound just like Brian, (laughs) you know, like I'm like, you're just regurgitating Brian, and I'm like, that's exactly what happens, like discipleship works, whoever you seek to become, and if you actually kind of commit yourself to it, you don't even realize it, but you actually start becoming that person, And so as disciples of Jesus, when you spend time with him, you actually just start to become like him because you're just with him. My wife's a vegetarian. I am not. I didn't eat a vegetable until I married her, I feel like. And trust me, like, I hated broccoli. I hated, I just didn't like vegetables. And then I just, I married a vegetarian, so I have no choice, you know? Like, especially if she's going to be cooking, I'm not going to get meat. And so, kind of funny, but over time... I grew to like vegetables and I like broccoli and I like, actually kind of crave some of the things that she likes and it's really because I just spent time with her and who she was starts to rub off on me. And it's a really simple thing and it's a really silly thing, but it really goes to show like whoever you surround yourself with and whoever you kind of like, just put yourself in their presence, they actually start to become, you start to become them. And so as followers of Jesus, our goal is to do what Jesus did, and I just want to put this back on you Christians in the room. If you are a Christian, I want to put this list in front of you. This is, this is what your ultimate aim in life is. You are to become someone who preaches the gospel. Do you preach the gospel in your life, Christian? You're to live a whole new way to be human under the authority of scriptures. Do you submit your life to the word of God, like actually? Three, you're supposed to care for the sick, poor, and those suffering from the powers of darkness, who are the sick and poor in your life that you 're caring for? Is there anybody? Jesus devoted a lot of his life to this. Third, Jesus ate with people far from God. Do you eat with people far from God? Jesus did justice in the city, and he was a peacemaker. Do you even care about what 's happening in the city? Let alone do you actually participate in being a person who seeks justice? or Do you participate in being a peacemaker? Or do you just contribute to the brokenness out in the world? Do you maybe even contribute to the lack of peace out in the world? Uh, you're to be a man or woman of prayer. How's your prayer life? And I don't mean that to shame or discourage or anything, but just really asking like, are you, a, could, could someone call you a man or a woman of prayer? Um, and Jesus stood up against the sin that corrupts God's good world. Do you stand up against the corruption that's in the world? Do you stand up against the corruption by living in a different way? And do you stand up against the corruption in the world by actually speaking up against the corruption that's in the world? Do you speak up against the corruption that's in your friend group? Or do you just kind of like allow it because it's not that bad yet? If we are to be Christians, and this is what Jesus gave his life to as our rabbi, if we're actually to become Jesus, this is at least part of what you're supposed to devote your whole life to. And if nothing else, I would just really ask you to sit on these things and be like, am I doing any of these things? Am I actually following Jesus? And here's what I want you to know as we kind of wrap up. Following Jesus is way bigger than just reading your Bible. It's way bigger than going to church, and it's way bigger than just trying to be a good person before you go to heaven. This is literally about being a a renewed human being Transformed by the Spirit of God, because you get to go out into the world and you get to represent Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in your life. What a privilege that is. And what a privilege we have in that. And so let me just ask you one final question as we kind of end here. Are you following? Are you following Jesus? At the very beginning of the sermon, I said, uh, "What is a Christian?" And uh, I think sometimes we've said somebody can be a Christian but not follow Jesus. That would be really confusing to Jesus because if you're an apprentice and you're not with your rabbi and if you're not being trying to become like him and if you're not doing what he did, then you're not an apprentice. So if you're a Christian and you're not with Jesus and you're not being transformed by him and you're not actually living his life, how can you be a Christian? There, are no su- there is no such thing as followers of Jesus that aren't following. And this is the call of Jesus. And so as we kind of end here, here's my live it out challenge for you this week. And it's actually the live it out challenge for us this whole series. In order to be someone who's with Jesus, who becomes like Jesus, and who does what Jesus does, you actually have to become familiar with Jesus. And so uh, I-, I would really encourage you throughout this series, and I'll, I'll do this with you, I want you to take uh, one of the accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And it's really simple. This is all I want you to do. Throughout the next five weeks, I just want you to pace your way through one of those books, and I just want you to be with Jesus. And I just want you to observe him. If you've been a Christian for a long time, like, take off whatever lens that you read through, like, oh, I already know this, I already know these stories, and, like, try to reread it as if it's, like, your first time discovering Jesus, and just go, like, man, just, like, be enthralled with who Jesus is. Like, delight in him. Be amazed. Be like, man, he's an incredible... human being, God is truly incredible. And as you kind of delight in who he is and as you watch him, I just want you to ask what like one question. What Jesus was doing, like what is how does that show you what it means to follow Jesus? So just be with him and and read his his word and and read his teachings. Like all right Jesus, what are your teachings? Am I actually implementing those teachings? Um am I just like oh man you cared for the poor. Oh Jesus, I want to care like who like, like I just want you to start interacting with Jesus. And I want you to start giving your life at least one step to be more of a committed and faithful follower. Sound good? Alright, let's pray. God, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful for you. Um, God, I'm so thankful that we get to follow you. Um, Jesus, Lord, I just, I, I know, um, Lord, I know that I don't measure up. And God, I know when, I, when you hear a sermon like this and when you're God, for me, when I'm called to action, um, God, I need to check my heart and my motivations. God, you don't call us, uh, God, you don't call us to live a life one that you have uh, that you haven't empowered us to live. God, you have given us your very presence within side of us to actually live out your life. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would know that your power actually makes it possible. God, if we abide with you, we can bear much fruit and we can live lives as Jesus. But, Lord, we're not trying to earn any sort of love, God. We're not trying to prove ourselves to you. God, we just want to be representatives of you, God. We want to delight in you. We want to be changed by you. And, God, we want to live our lives as you did in our world. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would be our rabbi. I pray that you would be our teacher. And I pray that you would speak to us, God, uh, what our next step might be as disciples. And so, Lord, the person whose heart tonight, God, is hard, that just hears all these things and it sounds burdensome, God, I pray that you would soften that heart, God, and that you would bring refreshment. God, I pray for the heart that's eager. God, I pray that you would just make it even more eager. And God, that you would really uh, just lead us, God, into new life. God, help us to walk the narrow road. And as we uh, continue on in this series, God, I pray that we'd be open to your words. Uh, We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song.